Hello and welcome to episode 229 of the Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Shane here in Denver, Colorado, and with me on the line from Massachusetts, it's Devin O'Donnell, aka Doomwake. That's me. What's up, Shane? Devin, we've made it back together again. We had we had last week off while uh, Dave and Stan talked to Ryan Spain, which was a dope episode. I I was I'm trying to remember if I was on the episode where he was a guest. He was on one of our early guest apps, and we talked to him about arena and like the arena economy and things like that. And it was good to have him on in his new role talking about magic online so if you didn't listen to that it was a really cool app i thought it was really interesting but much more importantly there's us to talk about stuff this Mm. week yeah well yeah we uh, got a lot to talk about a lot of tournaments happened over the weekend it uh you know i personally myself was kind of got to bear witness to a lot of the live action over of course the nrg series did a lot of commentary big shout out to the nrg guys they're uh, uh the, the production over there they put on is absolutely amazing so if you haven't checked if you have if you're not following them you should definitely go give them a follow twitch.tv slash nrg series there's actually going to be another event only a couple of weeks away this one is uh i believe it's the it's actually next not this up coming uh saturday sunday but the week after yeah i feel like we had a pretty long break they're only doing i think seven events i mean only seven that's 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 a boatload it's a lot more than i'm putting on but in as opposed to like their more ambitious schedule i think in 2022 kind of scaled things back a little bit so i felt like a pretty long break and now we have the the one that was in chicagoland this weekend i think we're gonna get the more tight kind of summer schedule come up i imagine yeah, absolutely. It should be a lot of fun. You know, a lot of different formats on display. So if you know, no matter what format you're a fan of, there's they got something for you over there. So definitely, definitely go check them out. Yeah. Speaking of formats that I'm uh, I'm enjoying, Devin. Right. What What do you feel about fighting games? Like, what are your feelings? Your overall feelings about fighting games? Punching. Uh, Punchmans. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. I haven't really played a lot of fighting games. And I mean, it's it's probably been a long time since I played the last one. I was pretty big on like Soul Calibur and stuff, like oh, yeah. way way back in the day when I had like a you know the old school PS2, like a Dreamcast yeah. and a PlayStation Two yeah, and stuff. Exactly. That's so. that's kind of like the last time I was touching any of these as well. Like, you know, I'm old, so I was playing like Street Fighter Two in the and ar- the arcades, and then like on the Super Nintendo. And my brother and I played a boatload of like Tekken on PlayStation One and stuff like that. And like basically since. I was a teenager with a PlayStation. I haven't really touched fighting games, but man, Street Fighter Six came out, mm. dude. It is, it is, is it? it is engrossing. Yeah, because you, you, if if you know me and you know me a little bit, um, I love discovering and like getting in the weeds of like something new, like new systems, and like you know, much like Magic, right? You kind of like understand like where the the edges are and like how the pieces work together and like what the components of the overall system are and there was a big tournament like so the, so six came out like three weeks ago i've been playing a decent amount of it um a couple of my friends are into it so we're talking my brother just got it there was this big tournament this weekend um from the ceo of fighting game championships and they broadcast my friend like I don't know, maybe like 30 hours total of like just different Street Fighter, you know, like the huge amount of like Swiss into like the top events. There's like a winner's bracket and a loser's bracket. And they're just, you know, displaying so much of it. And I got to tell you, it made me appreciate like what is good, what can be good about like esports and why I know that Magic tried to go in that direction when it did, right? Because like, 
when you have a, a digital platform and the excellent commentators that Magic has and things like that. And the game, of course, we know is excellent, right? But, like, man, I, I watched, like, tw- maybe, like, 15 hours of, of Street Fighter content this weekend while I was trying to find the One Rings on Magic Online. Um, but, yeah, that's that's it's um, it's my new current non-magic the gathering obsession and so uh you know when i when i leave the podcast to start my my sister dive down fighting game podcast you'll know why i better be that's not actually that's not <laughs> happening um well, but, it's uh well, going back on that real quick it's tough yeah. for magic to be a spectator sport because you mentioned like a um like something like a fighting game where you if you don't know anything about the fighting game you go into the stream and it's pretty evident what's happening right you know yes, you know who's winning cool and losing things, but yeah you, you go you know nothing about magic and you go into a, a magic stream you're just you, one player could be at one life and the other person could yeah. be at 20 and you just you know you, you don't really know what's going on yeah you, but that's why we have the advantage bar Devin. yeah gotta bring that back <laughs> Uh, on this week's show, though, we're going to be going in-depth uh, into the Nerd Rage Gaming Modern 10K in Mundelein, Illinois, a.k.a. Chicagoland. Um, we're going to look at what Paper Modern is looking like immediately after the release of the Lord of the Rings set. And then to dive in a little bit more deeply on this, we're going to look at this large tournament that took place in Japan with like 500 plus players. There was a modern showcase challenge. There were three other challenges, I think a Friday, Saturday and Sunday. We're not going to go super deep on all three of those, but we want to give you an insight into the surprisingly different landscape of modern. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think it's 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 surprising to me. Yeah, it's a really good weekend for for it to have this many like this lar- this number of large events given that it's the first week of the set release. So, we get to yeah. see a lot of stuff on display and I'm sure we're going to go through get through a lot of it. Oh yeah. And then after that, we're going to look more closely at probably the most impactful card from Lord of the Rings, the One Ring, and we're going to look at how this, you know, tiny round piece of jewelry has us so enamored with its power. Yes, my precious. And Mana Traders really got to you, Shane, huh? Oh, so, oh whoa, sorry. First, uh, some housekeeping. Um, we've got no new patrons. We've got no new increased tiers, but we do have a new review from Badstone. He has a, they have a zero for the O, just like you, Doom. So that, that's, I'm going to give that as a subtle shout out. Uh, and they said they're a longtime kitchen table player, my kind of my kind of player, new to competitive formats, exactly what I was looking for. All the hosts and guest hosts. I don't know if you're a regular. I don't know what they're what bucket are they putting you in, Devin? How about both? You get you get two for the price of one. We got to talk to management. <laughs> The uh, so yeah, thanks for the review there, Badstone. And if you want to join the Patreon. We do need everyone's support to help keep us going, pay for all the various subscriptions that do add up to just make the podcast and things like that. You can go to patreon.com slash the dive down. You can also directly support us without kind of the weekly obligation by going to our store, the dive down.com slash store, grab some swag that way. It's, it is the summer. We're going to be going to various, you know, conventions, events, travel, show off your dive down fandom uh, i wore my dive down t-shirt yesterday and my dive down hat and i felt like i was a walking billboard i haven't really done the one-two <laughs> punch before um but yeah i liked it it worked great we gotta get some rhino flip-flops given that it's the summer <laughs> how about like you know uh the kids these days my nephew he's 12 um and 
they really still the Crocs made a comeback, right? So Crocs, Crocs made a comeback. I think we should just get some dive down branded like rhino horn, like the little things that stick in the holes on the Crocs. Like I think where we your could heads do up. that. I mean, it's all about marketing. Yeah. That's what I've been told. Speaking of marketing managerators, if you want to get 10% off your first two months there, renting Magic Online cards, the only way I could possibly have afforded to even test uh, the Wondering this weekend, the Dive Down 2023 is the code to use when you sign up. Also, our buddies over at Barrister and Man, you can get 15% off your first order there with the Dive Down M23. And speaking of Nerd Rage Gaming, just by being a listener, you get 8% off your order of paper cards at NRG using the code DIVE8. So, Devin. Chin. We've we've slogged through housekeeping, and now we get to talk about the good stuff, Woo. which is, let's start with the uh, NRG Chicagoland Modern 10K, why don't we? And sure. as we mentioned, you were commentating this event. How many rounds did you end up doing for the Modern event? For the Modern event, I did the second half, I did the second shift on Saturday, so we get to do rounds six, seven, eight, nine, plus the quarterfinals, because what the, the structure is, they play the, the, the entire Swiss rounds on Saturday, plus the quarterfinals, and they come back on Sunday, finish out the top eight, and then go to the next event, so I got to do the t- kind of the back half of that, and uh, yeah, it was a blast. There was a lot of different stuff going on. Yeah, well, what was... was- before I go on, what, was that how it was last event? I thought they did everything on Saturday last time. They just like ran through the whole top eight on Saturday. So I think it depends on the size of the event. Yeah, with yeah, yeah. There nine, was more people this weekend. Right. With nine rounds, it's really tough to be able to do like, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to have people there. Well, first of all, they only have the event hall until a certain period, a certain time, right? <laughs> yeah. So you can't, you yeah. know, they're going to kick you out at some point. But yeah, given that this one, this, this one was huge, absolutely like massive turnout. So yeah, they ended up finishing the rest on, on Sunday. Okay, that's cool. So, yeah, the, what is what is some of the the coolest rounds you saw? I was I was busy. I was trying to do some podcasting, and I was out doing some family stuff, so I didn't get a lot of time in watching the NRG. So, like, oh yeah, I mentioned how I watched like a bunch of the uh, Street Fighter coverage. It uh, a lot of that was on Friday at work. It was on the background, and then I was like staying up late in bed under the covers so that my phone didn't disturb my wife. And I was like watching the the replays on the Twitch vods. So you tell me what I missed at the NRG. What were some of the coolest rounds that you saw in your memory? Well, uh, we got this, uh, we, I personally, Dom and I, we didn't see a ton of the ring on camera. There was, uh, one player who we will kind of go over at some point who made the top eight. Uh, they were playing Tron with the one ring. So we get to see a little bit of that. Uh, then we had, uh, some delayed halfling in the form of Yawkmoth. And, um, I mean, I think the the most memorable match for me was when we were watching our Tron player, it was Cat Miller Granger, and they were playing against Blue White Control. And, uh, you know, which, as you may or may not know, is basically an unwinnable matchup for Blue White Control. And the the person who I am, I really enjoy watching control players suffer. So <laughs> I had a very good time every time Cat put an Ulamog on the stack and blew up two of the Blue White Control players' land. That was, that really hit home with me. Yeah, you may know. I was formerly kind of really into Tron. I, I played it a good amount. It was one of my favorite decks. And seeing it make a little bit of a comeback this past weekend, you know, in the hands of Cat, it's always great to to cast an Ulamog and just do something with it, even if it gets countered. Because, yeah, blowing up a couple things always feels good. So as we usually do, let's first talk about the overall meta, because... The thing that I notice a lot about the NRG events, which basically I think means paper events on the whole, is just that the the metagame is surprisingly dynamic. 
we see some decks be like 15% of the room. And then the next month, they're maybe half of what they were before. And then we see some decks that are kind of just slowly creeping up to be maybe just the most popular deck in the format. And that's five color creativity. And there were 33 pilots with about 10.8% of the room. They had about a 52.75% win rate. A couple of those in the top 16, none made top eight. But these decks aren't doing anything different right now. They seem to be the same, incredibly popular. And, you know, decks like Scam and Merktide and Hammer continue to sort of slip on the popularity list. Um, creativity just keeps maintaining its position as one of the top dogs, if not the top dog. Yeah. And like you mentioned, the deck really didn't change a ton. It, it didn't really uh, gain a ton of cards from the new set. I do recall a couple of lists that I saw playing the new Reprieve, which is the white remand. Um, and the nice thing about Reprieve, especially if a lot of people are playing Delighted Halfling, the way that Reprieve is worded, not similar to remand. It just says return the spell mm, to your yep, hand. Yep, doesn't yep, yep. say counter it if it was returned. So uh, that one is ex- exceptional if people are going to be uh, more people are going to be on Delighted Halfling as well. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm actually really interested to talk about Delighted Halfling later. I can't wait to to get more on that one because I think that if, you know, the little spoilers, if the One Ring is the most impactful card of the set, I'm curious if we can call Delighted Halfling the second most impactful. I think there's some arguments to be made, but um, yeah, there's there's a lot going on with that. Yeah, I think if you're looking at it from a modern perspective, almost certainly. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. I mean, that's, that is my perspective today. We, we can talk about my, you know, my legacy perspective we will reserve for um, our legacy offshoot. I can't think of a clever name for that podcast right now, but I'm sure we'll come up with one. Second place, we've got Team of Rhinos, 28 pilots, about 9.2% of the meta, a kind of rhino-ish, you know, kind of not a great day, not a terrible day, 48% basically win rate. Not an amazing performance here. It did make the top eight. Uh, there, you know, may have won. I don't know. Might have won the event. This is you know, large, largely the same as recent decks. You know, it's got the it's the teamer flavor. It's got the Merc Tides main. Maybe you have a become immense. You know, the kind of the decks that you have been seeing on Magic Online for you know, basically since like late April, early May at this point. Yeah, I can't remember the exact period in time where it happened, but I remember it was, uh, I believe Oliver Tomiko was the first one to tweet about this and Oliver had posted and said that, you know, that he, they had like this insane list was kind of just the meta breaking list. And, uh, it had, you know, a- after the event it had main deck, mystical disputes, main deck, Merc tides, and people yep. really just haven't looked back. It's kind of just been, no. th- that's just been the stock rhinos list. And, you know, I mean, it, like you said, it not the best win percentage, 47.8 win percent. Um, but we, you know, just, one of those decks that it's just always going to do its thing, never really a bad choice. Yeah, I'm curious if players are going to have to tweak the Rhinos list. You know, it is a tweakable deck. There are there are some different ways to build it. Of course, we're restricted by the mana value, in the upper right corner at least, of the cards. But with the shift in the metagame that I think we're seeing and some of the decks that we're going to see make more of a little comeback here, I think Teamer Rhinos is either going to potentially suffer a little bit because of some predators in the room or kind of have to adjust its game plan. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in coming weeks because we always talk about rhinos. 
Yeah, one thing about rhinos in, in particular, if they're if you do expect a lot of the one ring to be played, there are some uh, tools that you can actually use to fight it. So the first one is Bone Crusher Giant. The text on Stomp says damage can't be prevented this turn. So mm -hmm. if your opponent casts the ring, they get protection. But with Bone Crushers, you know, can't damage can't be prevented. Damage can't be prevented. Excuse me, that stops that. And then the other option is Repudiate, which I actually saw somebody Ooh. from one of the challenges in the top thirty-two. Uh, the most important, it's a split card, but the important half is blue greens high blue-green hybrid instant counter target activated ability so you can actually counter the uh you gain protection ability from the ring. whoa very cool i would not have thought about that but yeah have some tech it might make sense as we talk about many different decks running the one ring third most popular deck in the room is it murktide like you might expect <laughs> 24 copies 7.8 percent of the meta 46 percent win rate the best finish for murktide was 28th place Nothing really novel that I saw, not even really sideboard use of Stern Scolding, uh, which you might have expected being there. But, you know, this is, is it Murktide is doing, is it Murktide things. I do not want to keep banging this drum, but at some point, why is is it Murktide such a popular pick? Because I really haven't seen it do well in any event recently. It's like, there seems to be like this really big disparity in terms of performance and perhaps popularity on Magic Online and then in paper. And it's a little bit tempting, I think, to say, well, there's so many skilled pilots on Magic Online. But I think that really only goes so far in terms of explaining kind of what the what the difference is here. I don't know, especially with maybe the way the metagame is going right now and some of the shifts that we're seeing is that Murktide might continue to take a little bit of a tumble. Yeah, I mean, this is just 2023, John. Right. You know, it, there were people back when Jund, during Jund in its heyday, everybody who played Jund kind of understood that their deck was 50%, sometimes less against the field. And they just kind of like it is a deck that gives you the most agency. It's also the best expressive iteration deck. And I think that's what draws a lot of people towards it. But, you know, it's it's really it's it's just Jund. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, a deck that might have to adapt as well. I mean, it's 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 tempting to I think it's tempting to make some qualifications every time we have a new tournament, right? Where it's like, oh, this happened and it's because of this and you should make a decision based on that. But I think we are in a transitional period a little bit in the metagame. And so this is kind of our first data point in a bunch of them. And I think we'll kind of see the fallout of what's happening over the next weeks and months. So uh, fifth most popular, excuse me, fourth most popular deck in the room, Mono White Hammer, 17 copies, 5.5%, a 53% win rate. We had three copies in our top 16 alone. And the thing that I saw the most different and across all of them was one to two copies of Forgenu. That was in a lot of lists. Uh, we saw this continue in future kind of challenge lists and things like that. So Forgenu, I think, uh, you know, we were not alone in calling this, but Dave definitely was right in thinking that this has a place in Modern Hammer. Yeah, the fact that it is a three meta card means that you don't want to play a ton of copies. So, you know, one or two copies does make sense, but it really just gives you a little bit more redundancy on your pure steel paladins because the, the text on it giving you the zero equip for the first equip spell or first equip you do every single turn. So, yeah, just a, being able to give you some redundancy, but don't want to play a ton of copies. Yeah, it's a cool card. Uh, I'm curious to see, you know, if it stays around, if it increases in the number of copies in the main deck. But yeah, Forge a new, cool new addition to an already pretty reliable deck. And I think we saw it do pretty well across an, a number of events this weekend. 
Yeah, and one important thing about Forge it does allow you to get the cards from the graveyard. So if, if you're playing against like a Besaju Force of Vigor deck, then you can, you know, if you get Besaju, a lot of times you don't have access to those hammers, but Forge being able to get those back is pretty good as well. For sure. Then we have Burn in fifth place. The best finish was 85th place. There were, it's, you know, it's 5.2% of the meta, a 42.4% win rate. My friends, please don't play Burn. But Shane, yeah. Yeah. hear me out. Yeah. What if we played Burn with the One Ring? I'm. This is where we're headed. This is. I mean, like Burn played Oko. Let's see where we get. This is. Let's see what happens uh, as we get into the meat of this episode. Uh, following up with Burn, we have uh, Living End. Fourteen players, four point six percent of the meta, fifty-two percent win rate. Pretty strong performance. There were two in the top sixteen, and really the reason, one of the reasons, I think Living End is making a bit of a comeback here. I mean, we'll see talk more about living in a little bit. People have definitely discovered uh, Oliphant, which I think a few people, including us, mentioned as being kind of obvious, right? But Generous Ent is the forest land cycler. Uh, It's just basically a big tree person with reach. It doesn't have any kind of trample, doesn't do anything to other creatures like Oliphant does, but getting a forest means you can get a breeding pool or a basic forest, which allows you to kind of, you know, cast stuff through um, Blood Moon if you so desire. And so that's kind of the land cyclers people are running. They're running six to eight of these typically. And what this does, and we, we didn't mention this in the spoiler episodes, which I thought was kind of uh, silly of us is we were like, okay, well you could run all these land cyclers. Oh, you get to reduce your land count pretty significantly. People are running like 14 to 16 lands. And this is really the talk of living end town right now. Like what the math is on all of this, like what the, you know, spreadsheeting it out, like what our odds are looking like for the the mana base and things like that. I know CCR uh, from Grindcast was, you know, if you remember his amazing appearance on our podcast going over living end, uh, he's a living end uh, fan and he had a lot, he, he tweeted about it recently, testing with these land cyclers. And I think there's definitely something there, <laughs> a little bit of a, little bit of a tease. Right. Yeah. You know, okay. So let's have a little talk here. The one ring, obviously the, is the most powerful card in the set. I think we can all agree on that, but I'm, th- this might be maybe a bit of a hot take. I think that Oliphant and Generascent are actually maybe more impactful to their specific archetype than the one ring is now obviously the more decks can play the one ring but this is like the biggest single biggest printing to for living in for basically since i don't even know like curator of mysteries the one mana cyclers that allow you to cut on lands are so massive because you can kind of keep the exact same ratio of lands and spells but you just have access to more turn one like the best living end draws are turn one cycler turn two double cycler turn three living end yeah it's it's dope i think what ccr mentioned over on grindcast with lee i think he was saying something like it's really good just for a small living end like if you have oliphant in your graveyard and like one other thing right like you 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 living in for oliphant and you have a very large creature that also makes like your other creature or two that were you know in the graveyard as well makes them significantly larger makes them trample over blockers and so that's a, a big advantage when you have something like with that just stats and, uh, and the ability as well. So I think that, you know, we'll see a, a lot more living in show up in future tournaments. And yeah, like you're saying, I think these are, these are huge. These are, these are really huge, not only in their stats, not but just also big creatures, in their impact. But yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, up next, a pretty cool inclusion here. We've got hardened scales. Nothing really new from Lord of the Rings here or in general since the second Ozolith with 10 players, 3.3% of the meta, 50% win rate. Azorius Control featuring Kira. Uh, 10 copies, 3.3% of the meta, 53.8% win rate. There were two in the top 16. We saw some lists with the one ring. I'll also uh, note there were six four-color control lists frequently using the one ring uh, as well. There's some decent win rates there. So yeah, Zorius Control definitely making a bit of a comeback. I think we'll have more to say kind of about general control strategies uh, due to the one ring and just perhaps in general. Yeah, shout out to George DeBoer as well. Showed up with four copies of the One Ring. Um, I think himself and Raja Suleiman both finished in the top 16. I think those are what the two were. So, uh, you know, very notable players doing very, very well. I don't know if Raja had Ring, but I know that George had four copies. Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense in these control decks. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Spike. It just makes sense, right? It's just really good card advantage, plays well in multiples. I'm kind of spoiling one of our major topics later in the episode, so I'll stop now. Uh, last deck above 3% was Rakdos Scam, also 10 copies, 63.5% win rate. There were good. three in the top 16, there were two in the top eight alone. Uh, Rakdos Scam will also make some big appearances later on this weekend as well, but there's nothing really new here that I can tell. Like I saw, you know, one Orcish Bowmaster across a bunch of lists in you know this particular event. I think we'll start seeing more more Orcish Bowmasters appear as the weekend goes on. Yeah, and that I was just going to mention that's not the case with the Magic Online results. There was quite a bit of bow, yeah. quite a bit of bowing going on within the Magic Online streets, and there's a good reason potentially for that, um, and it might be related to the One Ring. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, sub 3%, we had 47% of the field sub 3. That's a pretty big percentage. Like, this is a pretty flat uh, metagame. You know, the, the biggest deck in the room was only about 10.8% of the meta. And then, you know, it gets pretty flat from there into the 5s and 3%. So having 43%, 47% of the meta be sub 3% of the representation is more than we usually see. I think of note, there was Yawgmoth, 2.6%. Uh, of the meta had a 56.6% win rate. Green Tron was 1.6% of the meta, but a 61.5% win rate because of the one ring. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. ring is, you know, it's pretty good when you have seven mana chain. It's just a yeah. card that costs four mana and draws you more cards. I'm okay with that. I mean, it seems, it seems, it seems okay. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, let's get into our type eight really fast. We've got Fletcher Johnson. On Living End, when 8-1, and one, he they had three Ents, three Oliphants, and 14 lands. One thing really quickly about the Living End list. So this the, this Fletcher Johnson had 14 lands. I actually saw a list that had 13, and they had two of the Swamp Cycler as well. <laughs> oh, man. Getting a little greedy, but I love it. I mean, stretch it. You know, uh, bend it till it breaks, and then repair it, and don't bend it as far the next time. Uh, we've got Travis Brown in second place on Mono White Hammer, also went 8-1. They had two Forge New main. If you forget what Forge New does, we mentioned it earlier, it's a two and a white enchantment. And when it ETBs, you get to return target equipment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. As long as it's your turn, you may act activate equip abilities anytime you could cast an instant. Very powerful. And you may pay zero rather than pay the equip cost of the first equip ability you activate during each of your turns. 
Yeah, one thing that's really, really cool and tricky with the One Ring is with Cauldra Complete specifically, and I was told that I got told this by my Twitch chat because they're very <laughs> smart. So with Cauldra, you can go first strike damage, and then after first strike damage, oh, yes. you can move oh, yes. the Cauldra. Oh, man. As soon as I found that, my brain exploded. Yeah, like I heard that, I think, on a different pod as well, where it's like, yeah, because because it what it it did it didn't do first strike damage. No, yeah, because it lost first strike, it has to deal the damage in the main combat phase as well. Right? Is that how it works? Well, I think the creature that the culture was on doesn't deal damage, but you get plus five on another creature that yes. had that didn't have first strike. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh it's good. It works. Yeah. Third place, Chris Smith on Obzon, Yogmoth, 7 0 oh, 2. So, Chris, I mean, that just means they won seven straight and just ID'd twice, right? Yep. Yeah. So, Chris is running four Delighted Halfling as a mana dork over Ignoble Hierarch, which is something I think we saw a lot in Yogmoth lists all weekend. And what Chris did is also shove in the Samwise combo. They've got a Cauldron Familiar, two Samwise Gamgee. Uh, Viscerous here, and you know the usual inclusions like Capatra, like Innkeeper, things like that. So they're able to use things like Eldritch Evolution or Cord to go for the combo if they are so inclined. And also, I think there's just some what there's there's general value to have things like Cauldron Familiar or Samwise Gamgee, I suppose. And Chris is also taking advantage of the Obzon mana with two Boromir in the side, make that White Splash matter, uh, get some protection for your creatures. And what are you thinking about this one? You're, so you're a Samwise fan. Well, things to know. I actually played Chris's. Uh, well, not Chris's exact list. I changed one card. Um, I cut the Bowmaster for a copy of Zulapor Cutthroat on stream today. Now oh, I yeah. didn't do so well because I realized that I cannot play Yogmoth <laughs> on stream because it's trying to trying to manage a Twitch chat while also trying to think through all the combo lines in Yogmoth is just impossible. Yeah, right. Um, but I did play a little bit with it off stream today. Had a, a couple of three twos. But yeah, this particular deck list. So what? A couple of things to note here. The Samwise combo is actually really important because Cauldron Familiar doesn't target it says each opponent so if your opponent oh, sets yeah. up kind of the one ring loop where they have protection from everything the cauldron familiar beats protection from everything so that's a really important thing to note also why we're playing Zulaport cutthroat over blood arts so keep that in mind and then the boromirs in the sideboard with the white splash one of Yogmoth's basically you know almost unwinnable matchups is rhinos and boromir allowing you like just having this three drop that you can cast on turn two off of your you even get white mana off of delighted halfling for it oh yeah and it shuts off not only does it shut off their cascade spells it shuts off their furies it's just no. uh, an amazing card in those matchups don't do this to me no that's sweet sweet list very cool tech i'm curious if people pick up on some of these things and apply it to kind of future iterations of these kind of creature combo-y decks Fourth place, we've got Matthew Hoey on Team Rhino, 7-0-2 as well. Pretty normal build here. This is kind of the stuff we talked about earlier, um, but you know, good on you, Matthew. Keep on rhino in, my friend. we got fifth place, Michael Anderson on Golgari Yogg, 7-1-1. This is more of a classic list. There's no new stuff here, actually, that I noticed. So Michael's just like, hey, I like Golgari Yogg, and it's doing well. Right back. Thomas Deschamps on Scam, 7-1-1. They had one Orcish Bowmaster in the side. Otherwise, pretty normal looking list to me. Seventh place, Isaiah Mosher on Scam, 7-1-1, one, one, normal list here. And then eighth place, we have Cat Miller Granger, who is a member of the Dive Down community. So good on them. They were playing Green Tron. They went 7-1-1. One, one. Pretty neat list here. 
they were running actually a 61-card main deck to play a Stone Brain, and I saw on their Twitter that they mentioned was Clutch All Day, because it's like, hey, it's either really good and kind of lights out, or you can just, you know, name a strong card. It's something they've been tutored up with your Urza Saga, which they ran a singleton of, which is, you know, always good in kind of a land tutor deck, lets you get things like, what, Haywire Might and such from the sideboard if you need to take care of a Blood Moon, something like that. So Cat was running three One Ring main and one on the side for the Karn Tutor package. And yeah, this is this is kind of what people are doing. Not exactly this, but you know, the the One Ring in the, the main deck, you get to tutor up with your Karn. You effectively have seven of them main deck that way. Yeah, the One Ring is really sick in this deck, like we talked about, just being able to, you know, on seven mana, uh, you can use four of it to go ahead in One Ring, maybe use some leftover mana to cantrip, but the really important thing, like, Tron is very good. Sometimes people can beat the first threat, like if you Karn liberated down tick and you kill something, maybe they kill your Karn and you're kind of like, eh, you know, you need a second follow-up threat. The One Ring allows you to, like, you get to seven mana, you play the ring, you guarantee that one draw step, and that can kind of propel you into your sweepers because Ugin and O-Stone both cost eight mana, which you can't do on turn three. So it's just like, and the one ring having indestructible doesn't die to Oblivion Stone, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, just an, an amazing card all around. Yeah, it's bonkers. I played a little bit with Cat's List uh, this past weekend. I, I finally got them late on Sunday. I had dinner plans with the family. We grilled out and then like I, I ran back home and like got, you know, one more match in before bed. And then I ran, I got, I got back from work, you know, got another one in before the podcast, just trying to get some reps with this card to see uh, just how good it is. But yeah, it's pretty sweet. Uh, Matthew Hoey did end up winning on Team of Rhinos against Thomas Deschamps on Scam. So that's a good win. Scam's not always a really easy matchup for Rhinos. I think Matthew also went up against Living End, which is typically not a very good matchup for Rhinos, in my opinion. I don't know what your experience has been like. Yeah, no, Rhino's typically unfavored against Living End, and, and you know, Matthew had, in the winner's interview, Matthew kind of did say the same thing, that he got pretty lucky to to, to defeat Living End, um, but also played extremely well. I remember watching that for the matchup against the Living End player. Matthew played, you know, played pretty well, uh, drew a couple endurances at key times, and yeah, was yeah, able helps. to uh, defeat him. Sweet. So let's go over the NRG standings. And our leaderboard now looks like this. We've got Steven Dickman with 75 points. They were already in the uh, Invitational from their winning a showdown earlier this year. Fletcher Johnson has 50 points, just consistently doing well, hasn't won any of the events. Sarah Shearing's got 44. Sean Gallagher has 41. Diego Saparito has 40. And then there are four players with 33 points. We've got Daniel Weiser, who's qualified with a showdown win. Uh, A. Adams, Casey Ryback, and the aforementioned Cat Miller-Granger with 33 as well. Uh, They're making moves after the top eight this past weekend. And then we have a tie for 10th and 11th place, uh, Richard Pepierski and Chris Smith with 32 points. Uh, Chris, of course, made top eight with Abzan Yogg this past weekend too. So, do you know if that includes the legacy event as well? Because I know Chris top eighted legacy. Oh, Chris might have uh, for the 32. I don't know how many points you get for uh, making top eight. I don't know how deep they went in the top eight, but um, I think it, it looked like it was updated. It might not have been. It might have. I think I looked yesterday when I did these notes and the legacy event was still going on. Right. So got it. Okay. Yeah, because I know Chris uh, Chris ended up making top eight. So I want to say it was like 12 points or something. So Chris might be closer to like third or fourth. Just keep that in mind. Sweet. Cool. 
Yeah, so if you're keeping track at home, you can also look at the uh, NRG leaderboard on their webpage. Uh, but yeah, that's where it was as of Shane typing this yesterday. So NRG, thanks for letting us be you know the official podcast of your tournament series and uh, for employing Devin during the, the broadcast. I always love seeing a little bit of Doom Wake, a little bit of extra Doom Wake, more than my, you know, the, the podcast appearances and watching the stream. It's like, I need, I need way more Doom in video. Never in have my too life. much. <laughs> the event that I noticed happened was this Players Convention Modern Open, right? And this had 585 players, which is a good amount. Uh, I'm always curious what's going on in the Japanese meta. I don't think it's like, I think some people think like the Japanese meta is wildly different than the the more the Western uh, meta, but I don't think that's really the case. But let's get in you know, quickly into the meta here, and we've got. I'm not going to go. You know, every stat here is it Murktai was the most popular, about nine point six percent of the meta there, and it had forty seven percent win rate. So similar in terms of you know how well it's doing, uh, you know just under fifty percent, and a good amount of people playing it there. And then also similar to the U.S. meta, we had uh, Burn with 5.8% on the meta with, uh, I mean, for Burn, this is great, 48.8% win rate. It's above average. So, yeah, don't play Burn. Uh, next up was 5-Color Creativity with 5.5% of the meta, 55% win rate there. And you know, this, we had a 50, about 52.8% win rate in the States. And so Creativity keeps doing well, and especially over at this Players Convention, Modern Open. Yeah, Creativity is great. Yeah, I mean, it's I've Dave is kind of our creativity player. I don't think he actively likes it, but he keeps trying to. So uh, I think that I, I don't have a lot of opinions on it. Besides, it looks sweet. I mean, you get to get get some cool stuff on the board. We've got rhinos with about three point nine percent of the meta, fifty one point three percent win rate. So rhinos keeps me you up know, being pretty mid. Amulet Titan here though, three point. 6% of the meta with a 53% win rate. Amulet Titan is one of the decks that I have been seeing incorporating the one ring. Oh so, yeah, I think it I think it might be kind of cracked in that deck. Um, well, I mean, it's cracked in every deck, right? Let's let's be honest, but that deck in particular <laughs> Yeah, it's really nice because you uh you have like the common like amulet bounce land. There's just like a lot of spots where you have access to four mana. Um and it's another one of those decks, like similar to Tron, where you have a lot of mana, you just need that one additional turn, and that ring buys you that turn. Yeah. And it also digs you closer to those Titans. Yeah, I mean, getting an extra turn in Amulet Titan can be ridiculous. You know, like it's always whenever I'm playing an Amulet Titan, I'm always just like, okay, they didn't go off this turn. This 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 is all this is what I need. Right. And right. like, and if they get that one more turn to take advantage of kind of the setup that they put into play, like on if they're running a little bit too slow or something like that, or you, you know, got in their way a little bit. But yeah, the one ring does not give you that opportunity to, to finish them off typically. Absolutely not. Tied at 3.6% of the meta, we've got Living End with a 57 0.1% win rate. Living End, as we mentioned, a little bit of an increase in popularity across the board, and the win rates are looking really strong with these new cyclers. Yeah, we're not 100% sure exactly. I think the, the breakdown as far as how much, like I'm going to go to the top, eight, the one from top eight, looks like they had four Generous End, four Oliphant, 14 lands. So they're even increasing on the Generous End Oliphant count. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have seen, yeah, some surprising number of these two creatures. Uh, four color elementals, three point three at a forty-five percent win rate. Right, and there's here's then there's three 
big performers here at uh, the, about the 3.2 and 2.9% area. Reacto Scam with a 58.4% win rate. And then White Mono White Hammer, 54.75. And then Green Tron with 53.7% win rates. So doing pretty well for these decks. An increase in popularity. And yeah, looking strong. Yeah, you mentioned the the Japanese metagame. It's a lot of the same decks that we've seen, but the metagame share the metagame share is kind of kind of reorganized a little bit. Like, is it Merktide being at the top? We're kind of used to that at least for prior events in the U.S. But being at the top here, and then I'm actually I'm really surprised that Burn is so popular in this event. Yeah, and maybe just people were just thinking it was its time or something like that, or maybe here's what I think. So every time I went to a tournament back when I like lived in Chicago and was getting into like modern events and things like that. I would think that I knew what I was going to play. And then at the last minute I would just change to burn and I'd have a subpar day. And that's what that's in my brain is what everyone does. That is like, I don't know what to play. I guess I'll just play burn. At least I'll have fast rounds. At least I'll be able to get food. I'll take my 48% (laughs) win rate and just move on. Uh, and interestingly here, so you notice I went to 2.9. I thought that was close enough to three. And our other percent here in Japan was 55.7. So an even flatter overall metagame. A lot of people are playing, you know, I think more interesting decks. That is the kind of one thing that I, you know, have definitely seen in terms of like the, the East Asian metagame is that I think people are a little bit more experimental. They're playing, they do play more off meta decks. And so, you know, more bottom heavy meta. So cool. I, I didn't, I didn't, have time or you know i wanted to focus on NRG, so i didn't dig for any like cool decks out of this one but i'm sure there are some to be found uh let's do a quick trip through the top eight we've got five color elementals with four of the one ring four delighted halfling went nine oh and one delighted halfling delighted halfling. legendary spells yeah, halfling in the one ring. I don't know if you know the shame, but that's what we call a <laughs> splinter twin situation where your one ring is uncounterable. So pretty good. Uh, and comes down on turn three. Yeah. Good luck oh, being that. Oh, boy. That would be really bad. Uh, five color creativity in second place looks pretty normal. Third place scam. Fourth place is it Merktide. Fifth place living in, like you said, eight of the new cyclers and 14 lands. Sixth place Merktide looks like Merktide. Seventh place Grixis Shadow. Eighth place, Golgari Yogmoth. Mostly a classic build here, but with two ancient, ancient two ancient Imperiosaur. Uh, a wild, What's that doing here? A wild uh, mom inclusion. That's the five green green six six convoke with trample and ward two, and it puts two one one counters on each creature that convoked it. I mean, you've got creatures and you want counters, so go for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this one seems a little bit suspect where people are playing Solitude. I don't really know. I mean, it's pretty cool. Like, Rhinos, for example, probably doesn't have a ton of outs, so I guess you have Odawar Brazen Borrower, but with the ward on it, it's you have to spend a little bit more mana. I don't know. I mean, it could be talked into it, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's guts, right? Just to be like, look, I'm running two of them. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> Uh, so I mixed both of these tournaments for kicks. This is something you can do on mtgmeta.io, by the way, and I like this a lot. And so what I did is I just was like, let's put the NRG and let's put this player's convention monitor open and let's look at some win rate matrices and overall win rates and stuff like that. And uh, burn went 47%, by the way. And so stop Shocker. playing stop playing burn unless you think the metagame is going to be Tron, which had a 55% win rate. Uh, Tron did particularly well against Creativities, against Elementals, Rhinos, Yogmoth, and looked only really like a dog to scam and 
burn with an 18.2% win rate versus burn. Uh, only 11 matches, however. But if you think, I mean, we know that burn is going to beat Tron a lot of times. So if you think that you're going to f- see a lot more Tron, then maybe I will give maybe you... Maybe you can oh, fire up the lava spikes. Yeah, you follow, fire up the lava spikes, fire up the goblin guides. And uh, Scam had a 57% win rate across, what, like 900 players? And a mere... But like I said, Burn, it only had a 28.6% win rate against Burn. Mm. And so we, so, fig- we figured out why people play Burn. Because yes. they're, it's, it's, it's like the classic Spike meme in chat where people show up in Spike's chat and they're like, hey, Spike, if my metagame is 80% blue-white control, what would you play? And that's kind of like, you know, if my metagame is 50% drawn and 50% scam, well, there you go. We found a deck. It's Burn. There you go. Uh, living end 56.6 across these two tournaments. These new cyclers are making me thirsty. Yogmoth 54.6. Uh, you know, it's not in the top part of either of these metagames, but people are experimenting with these delighted halflings with maybe an orcish bowmaster or two, something like the list running Samwise Gamgee. It looks to be going well for our Yogmoth pilots so far. I didn't really see particularly amazing results for Elementals, which is a deck beginning to feature the One Ring. I think we'll see a little bit more results on that later. And then, like we keep saying, Murktide's a sub-50% deck across these large tournaments. So you better know what you're doing with Murktide. I don't think it's a deck that you should just bring because you're like, I get to make decisions. I think it's like, I always know the right decision would be yeah, like what I would need. It's really tough. I don't know. I, I still can't figure it out. Like you said, I mean, I get it. A lot of people want to play Jund. It's it's people want to Jund when they're going to Jund and they're going to do the Jund life. But yeah, I don't know. It's 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 really weird because it doesn't seem like it has any particularly like outstanding matchups. If we look at this this matchup matrix, like, I mean, I guess Amulet Titan. But past that, it's it's really just I guess like fifty seven. Yeah, Amulet Titan deck. and Burn. But past that, it's like I don't really know why we're doing this. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you like it, you like it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you you're making the wrong decision, but you're making you're making one that I personally wouldn't make. But I also don't play is it decks. So we do have some showcase challenges. So a showcase challenge. We have the Sunday challenge. I think has some cool stuff, and we got a little bit of time. So let's dive into the showcase challenge. And there are some incredible and wild decks in this challenge. So I really wanted to cover it. There's also 436 players. And you know these showcase challenges are full of some really strong people. It's a lot um, of players. Have you done a lot of showcase challenges, Devin? Uh, well, this one I, I didn't participate in because I was doing yeah, commentary, commentary for the NRG. I uh, ended up playing the Pioneer one on Sunday, which I swiftly O2 dropped. But yes, I, <laughs> I try to play. Uh, I try to play as many as I can. I don't like. I don't like to play the preliminary events on Magic Online, and that's kind of where you get most of your QPs. But so I'm really just getting QPs from League, so I usually only play one every month. But uh, I try to play. Uh, try to play when I can. Sweet. What are they like typically? Are they like more significantly noticeably harder? People play different decks. Yeah, I'm. Well, it's just like a lot of the people that are in there. So at the entry fee, the entry fee is forty qualifier points, yeah. which you get from you know prelims. You get. So from you, cha- you can't just challenges. pay to play. You have to. You right. Have to exactly. Make it. Yeah, so I think in a general sense, the the showcase events are a much higher level of competition, at least a step up from like these and, and regular challenges. And uh, they're typically, like you said, this one had 436 players, and the Pioneer one was pretty close. To that. I think it was. I think the Pioneer one was also over 400. My goodness. And you know, thank you, Bamzing, for always doing the hard work on breaking these down on the Modern Magic Reddit. And so mm-hmm. the top 32 breakdown were seven living end. And all seven of these pilots went X2 or better. There were, there were six copies in the top 16. 
for living it. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, 10 rounds. So at least eight <laughs> wins, two losses or better. Kind of crazy. And I remember looking at quite a few of these lists. I'm fairly certain all, most if not all of them did feature some combination of Oliphant and Generous End. Um, but yeah, there's th- th- those cards are all over the place. Yeah, uh, Living End's doing well. It's This is like Living End's weekend. We know people are going to react to this. We know Living End's going to have a little bit more tougher time, I'm sure, with like more cyborg cards and things like that against it. But have your fun. If you're, you know, if your LGS is a little bit slower to react, or they're not the kind of people who are going to immediately respond to Living End taking over the weekend, this is when you'd bring it back out. You'd be like, okay, this is the week where I, I just cycle and cast Living End and have some fun. Uh, we had four copies of Five Color Creativity deck we've been talking about. We have three copies of Golgari Yogmoth. Three copies of Omnath decks. We've got two four color and a five color. There are three Amulet Titan, two Jeskai Control, and two. Uh, grief slash scam decks, and then eight other uh, as well. So pretty interesting. You know, we see an increase in things like Titan, things like Golgari Yogmoth, and things like Living End, Omnath making a little bit more of an appearance than typical here. I think, you know, we're seeing uh, less scam, less hammer for sure. Yeah, absolutely. This is, uh, you know, th- this metagame is a little bit different than we saw, and we're really looking at the top 32, but, and I think part of this, I, I know that this is maybe not something that a lot of people uh, maybe realize, but the one ring, you know, we talked about its availability on Magic Online. We cannot stress that. It was basically impossible to acquire uh, from banner traders like rental services. So it's something where it's, it's possible that card availability and living in being the, the set that may have potentially the deck that may have potentially gained the most from the set. And they're all commons. That's another reason why we might see even more living in online than in paper. Yeah. I would not say this is like our new meta by any means, because like you said, like I tried basically every five minutes for, three, four hours and just kind of, or like randomly kind of popping Same. back in and like just clicking like rent and just like crossing my fingers that like uh, mana traders would have any. I got like one, one, and then two. And I was like, holy crap, I finally have my place. <laughs> it. I got to go to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and I was oh, like, Devin, man. do you need these? You're like, no, I, I don't have time. Not tonight. <laughs> so like, yeah, it did not work out for any. They just sat there languishing uh, so that no one else could rent them. I apologize, uh, friends out there. <laughs> this top bait is pretty cool. We've got uh, a Zato Yellow on Living End with four Generous Ents and no Oliphant in 16 lands. So I'm a, I'm a little surprised. Like, I think Oliphant sort of seems like the better, like, small Living End card, like I mentioned before. But maybe you just really want, like, Breeding Pool or, like, your basic forest or something like that. I don't, I personally don't know. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a Living End main. Like, I know you want the blue mana. Uh, in the deck a lot more than other colors so maybe you're just like i've got a cycle for that breeding pool and then in the in a pinch i can work through a blood moon like what are your thoughts on this well i mean it, you could kind of go the other way right with olafon you could just search for steam vents and funny enough yeah, yeah you're right they, this particular list has two steam vents and two breeding pools so i am a little surprised to see no copies of olafon 16 land so it looks like they maybe went like maybe up a land ish and then we're on basically four of everything else so it's it's, you know, four architects, curator, grief, street rate, generous. And so I think some of the other trims that I've seen have been like one or two lands and that you would shave an architects and potentially maybe like a, a river winder, or I, I think I've seen them cutting a waker of waves as well. So yeah, we're just all, all four ofs, no Oliphants. Very surprising to me. I'm curious to see what people decide, you know, from the group think and from the, the experimentation on what the, the right build of this 
looks like. But I think we it's pretty safe to say that it's going to include some of these land cyclers. The one thing that I will say about Generosand versus Oliphant, if you can only, like, if you've decided that you only have room for one of them, Ent is much more important to have access to because of the presence of Force of Vigor and Endurance in the sideboard. Mm -hmm. So I keep that in mind. Yeah, I'm never, it's funny, like, I don't think about that. Like, I do like the, you know, the evoke cards and things like that. And Stan's always thinking about that. Stan's always like, but you can pitch it. You can pitch it to this. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Uh, second place, our our Gentum Sky on Boros Convoke. Devin, is this your secret alt account that you were playing in the background while you were doing commentary? You found you found me out, Shane. You found me out. All right, I'll put my hands up. Fine, fine. fine. Okay, our Gentum Sky. Um, <laughs> this is just the glow up version of the Pioneer Convoke deck. Like you get to run more free creatures. You get things like Memnite. You get eight copies of your effect between the Kaldotha Rebirth and the Gleeful Demolition. Yeah, this is doing the thing. Like. This is running a singleton of Flowering of the White Tree, which I don't think is what made it make second place. I mean, that's just really a 1-1 anthem in this deck. I mean, they just wanted the ability to say, hey, I played some new cards, yeah. right? But I mean, this deck's, this deck's sweet. Oh, it's awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be playing this maybe tomorrow, uh, definitely on stream at some point this week. Uh, definitely want to go ahead and give this a go, because like you said, I'm, I'm so into the, the Convoke deck and Pioneer, and this is just a souped-up version of it. I might actually consider, uh, you know, if you're if moving forward, I might consider kind of maybe leaning in a little bit more on the Flowering of the White Tree, but um, yeah, really, really sweet deck, and uh, love to see it do well here. Yeah, this is a really... You know, strong finish out of this huge field as they go second place. They went nine and zero in the Swiss or ten and zero actually. Bonkers. Yeah, so it, you know, you, you got to run hot, you got to play well, you got to pick the right deck. And Argentum Sky, I'm sure, did all three. The BZA third place on Azorius Control, pretty normal version here. Three Chalice main. You wouldn't want to see this Chalice against your Boros Convoke deck, I imagine. But I guess like if you do it just right, like they can't really Chalice your Convoke creatures. You know, and you've probably already done the damage. I don't know. Chalice main with seven copies of living in the top 32. Must have made a good medical. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Bodzlo on scales looks normal to me. Dith from above on Rakto Scam. Full playset of Orcish Bowmasters here. Interestingly, they look like they just shaved some spells, like a few lightning bolts. There's not a K, K command here. There's only a couple blood moons. So they're running uh, more creatures then scammed it. They're like, I'm not cutting any of my creatures. I'm just playing some Bowmasters. Right. If you think about it, Bowmasters is like kind of sort of a removal spell where it's you, you could pick off X1s. Exactly. So it does sort of make sense the trim on removal for it. But I don't know. I, we, maybe we could talk about this later, but I'm, I, I don't know. I'm not sold on that card yet. Yeah. I, I think we could save it for kind of post break when we get into the weeds a little bit about like how the, the Lord of the Ring cards are impacting modern because yeah, I don't know either. Like I haven't played with it or against it. I know there's kind of like, uh, there is a combo that exists in Yawgmoth with it, but like my, my buddy, Aaron, you know, friend of the pod, actually, you know, he's a member of the community. He was kind of saying like, yeah, it's a combo that exists, but like, it's not one that comes up a lot. It's not like super important to the, the functioning of the deck. So it's just kind of like, it might be just gravy. Yeah. We'll see what, what Bowmasters does long-term. One quick thing I want to pull out here, looking at the sideboard there, I don't know if you if you if you saw this or not, but there are three copies of Call of the Ring in the sideboard of that Rakdos scam deck. Oh, do we and just yeah, for, yeah, call, for yeah, call of the Ring is like is is like the one one of the very few cards that looks like it could be playable that says the ring tempts you, right? Yeah, so black and a colorless enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep, the ring tempts you, and whenever you choose a creature as your ring bearer, you may pay two life if you do draw a card. So oh, kind of like great. a Phyrexian Arena esque type card. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that 
uh, in the spoiler episode is being like, hey, this card looks like it could be a perfectly fine way to have the ring tempt you because you're getting some card advantage out of it. You, you are paying life, but yeah, like having going through like the one rings dungeon, so to speak, is not a bad thing. Like there's a lot going on there. Or there's, there's enough going on there at least to probably give you some value. Oh yeah. Sixth place, Bill Sieve, Bill Sive on Asmo Food. This is an Abzan list here, kind of like how Spike and you drew this thing up, right? Like we've got four Samwise, three Cat, uh, Singleton Viscerous here, four Deadly Dispute, four Finale of Devastation, good, lets you dig through your deck, lets you tutor things up. You know, it's got a few important one-cost artifacts, Singletons like Shadow Spear, like Springleaf Drum, Witch's Oven, Get Found Off Your Saga. What are you thinking about this one? So this is extremely similar to the list that I was uh, playing on stream last week. The main changes here are the Deadly Disputes and the Academy Manufacturers. And I actually played with this exact list on my stream today. And I ended Sweet. up going three and two. It felt pretty decent. Uh, Manufacturer felt a little clunky at times, but there definitely has it definitely has its moments where if you get to untap with that card in any sort of like fair matchup, <laughs> you just like magic online crashes. It can't handle yeah. this many game. You objects. make a lot of cardboard. Yeah, and it, it was it was pretty sweet. Deadly Dispute was a cool uh, cool include as well. So I think this take is pretty good. Uh, might me might want to like work on some of the numbers a little bit. Like maybe you play slightly less manufacturers, slightly less disputes. But I think the uh, the changes here were were pretty good. Sweet. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about this later in this app. We then have seventh place Latura the Lucis on Living End. They were running two Oliphant, four Ents for 15 lands. So they're also skewing more towards the Ent over the Oliphant inclusion. And then eighth place, Falero on green Golos Tron. Uh, Falero did not play the One Ring, but like we mentioned, you know this could be just availability at this point. I, I don't know why you'd play green Tron and not play the One Ring at this point. So some cool stuff there. And then I finally wanted to just quickly go into Sunday's challenge. Some cool stuff here as well. I'm not going to get into anything with the top eight or meta. We just have uh, Zerk wins with Yogmoth and the Lord of the Ring cards. So Zerk's playing four Deleted Halfling, four Orcish Bowmaster's main, and three the One Ring main. So this is, this is what you can do now. You can just play Yogmoth with, with these cards. I don't even know at this point, Shane. Are we are we approaching the terror? Are we approaching Oko territory where every uh, single person is just they're just going to put it in every deck? Like we're just going to see uh, who knows at this point. What, what's the next deck? I don't know if this is threat level Oko yet, but I absolutely guarantee we will have a threat level the One Ring episode in the coming weeks. Something's we're going to have to talk about One Ring decks. Have to test what's going on with this card because this is. This is a lot. And this is the kind of thing that we're starting to see where people just like, yeah, I threw it in this deck. It was great. We've got uh, four scam players in the top eight alone, five in the top 32, four in the top eight. So if you like scamming, then you're going to like what you're doing uh, in the Sunday challenge, I suppose. There's still a ton of living end, five copies of living end in the top 32. Uh, there are six decks with the one ring. We got that aforementioned Yogmoth deck, two Green Tron pilots, two multicolor Omnath elemental decks. And this deck, I had to point out, Devin, I don't know if you saw this. This, I don't even know if I'd call this a Merfolk control deck. It does have Savellan of Sea and Sky, but that's it in terms of Merfolk. I basically would just call this what, like a blue control deck. It's got four of the One Ring, 
four Brazenbauer, four Subtlety, four Savellan of Sea and Sky, four, oh, spread- four Spreading Seas, and then Dismember, Counterspell, Spell Pierce, and Force of Negation. And then I think it just maybe basically wins with like land beats. Like we're just going back to um, Celestial Colonnade days of Fairy Conclave. Four Blast Zone, if you want more removal in your deck. Three Hall of the Storm Giants and, you know, a bunch of other lands. So this uh, this has to be an M. Hayashi special. Because I remember M. Hayashi played a ton with, like, this mono blue control deck that, you know, and, and M. Hayashi staple for Blast Zone. We love to see it. Uh, but, yeah, this is, like, just, like you said, Brazen Bar versus Phalian Subtlety for threats. Bunch of counter spells, One Rings to protect, Spreading Seas for Mana Denial. And, yeah, this uh, this this is, it's definitely a deck. <laughs> it is a deck one can play. And Motown, one, two, three. Uh, went to 32nd place in this huge no this was not the huge uh showcase challenge this is a sunday challenge but good on them i certainly didn't make 32nd place with this deck so so Devin, man before we get into kind of like the the dive down section after the break what do you what did you what are you thinking about all these tournaments you know both online and in paper what's going on here I mean, we went over the metagame shares. Everything appears to be, in terms of the metagame share itself, like di- variety of decks being played. I would say it's pretty healthy right now. Like you said, that there was the uh, the, the 47% uh, roughly of the other in the energy event and then the 50 plus percent of other in the Japanese event. So it doesn't really feel like the, like there's plenty of viable decks. Everything is uh, pretty well represented. But yeah, a lot of the wondering. And it's just, it's just an everything it's crazy yeah i mean the biggest things i think that we can really see is like hey living it's a thing you're going to be seeing living and you're going to be seeing these cyclers they're really good and i'm curious just how dramatic the response is like are we going to see people playing more teferi are we going to see people play more of the you know what Dranith Magistrates or the the Void Mirror or things like that, just to really you know kick us in the teeth for us Cascade players or something like that. But I think it's not the best time to be playing a Living End on Magic Online. You know what else is good against Cascade? Turn one Delighted Halfling, turn two Teferi Time Raveler. <sighs> yeah. Some some people out there are like don't threaten me with a good time. I'm just like don't say such such horrible things. The uh, yeah, I'm I'm not looking forward to that. Very much. I think, you know, I think that I'm hyped to to test out Living End and, and paper pretty quickly uh, if I can get out to the store. I'm, I'm headed out on, uh, I'm actually going to Ohio and Illinois, so I'll be able to see Dave nice. next week. I doubt we will. I mean, I'm definitely going to take a deck because Dave and I always play at least some paper magic when we're face to face, but maybe I'll take Living End just to annoy him. I mean... And Yawgmoth, I think, definitely is seeing an in- increased uptick in tier, excuse me, in play, at least. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that, right? Like, I think it's it's interesting to have the, the Mana Dork in Delighted Halfling to ramp out your Yawgmoth a turn earlier, ramp out your Grist. If you're so inclined to play the One Ring, I think that your, your mana is pretty loose enough that you can just use it as general ramp as well. You know, you pay the colorless with it instead of you know using it for a colored mana so i think there's some some strengths there you know whether or not you're doing the orcish bowmaster thing or not i think that yawgmoth is something that people are definitely looking at again yeah it's weird specifically for yawgmoth because the card that that in my mind the, the card that you want to target when you're playing with orcish bowmasters is ragavan right the the best 
the best thing about Bowmasters is like ETB, kill your X1, make a token, have two bodies that may or may not generate value down the road. And that is the primary target. Ragavan also, you know, obviously mana dorks and stuff. But Yogmoth as a as a con like as a deck is already insulated against Ragavan because it plays Young Wolves and Stranguruka. So it's like you don't necessarily need additional help against Ragavan. I think more so what Zerk was doing with Bowmasters is likely just playing it because of so many people playing the ring. You know, if yeah. everybody's playing the ring. Ring, a good answer to the ring is to punish people for drawing a bunch of extra cards, maybe even Narset, stuff like that. Yeah, but that, no, that's that's definitely definitely a good uh, counter for sure. And then I think we have to comment on the uptick in Green Tron, both in its performance and its metagame share. I think that we're really seeing people kind of adopt the One Ring and get back to playing some Green Tron, seeing if it has uh, if it has legs and how it's doing. And I think we saw. We haven't seen Green Tron do particularly well at all for a long time. So I think this is clearly something. And and people are enjoying Green Tron again. I mean, I played it. It was fun. And I think, the, yeah, the, the one ring in the Elementals decks and the kind of the control decks, I think, is kind of a big thing as well. And let's just save that for after the break. So, Devin, let's get out of here. Let's uh, Let's take a quick break. And then we'll come back to talk about some Lord of the Rings cards in Modern. So stay with us. Devin, my friend, I'm recruiting you to join me in an advertising journey to our friends, Barrister and Man. You are a bearded friend. You are a bearded friend. I'm a bearded friend, which means we don't shave that much. I shave. I, I shave this morning. I do like this part of my neck. You can see me on camera and you can do this part of my cheeks. So I do shave a little bit, which means I get to enjoy all the shaving products from Barrister and Man. But more importantly than the shaving products, they also have, they have smell products uh, as well. What do you shave with, Devin? Do you shave? No, I do. I do shave. I just shave with like, you know, normal shaving. Cream, no, like not this weird stuff. Well, no, you, you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I know for sure. Like not that, fancy stuff. I want to use fancy stuff. We know what we got to do is we got to get Will to send you some products. So we can talk about them in these various term ad breaks. So there's not, there's always some new stuff going on and we're currently waiting for a sample drop from Will. I know they, uh, you know, they've got some new stuff over at Barrister Man. They've got the Adagio and the Presto are kind of the early summer things. We've, we've mentioned those, uh, kind of the two complementing uh, scents for the late spring, early summer. But importantly, we have the Lavender Interrupted uh, is on the homepage. It's the new product. It is the new eau de parfum uh, that I know Will's been working on for a long time. He mentioned it in our uh, in our chat with him. He was like, "I finally am done with this lavender interrupted." And this is this is such a Will description. The, the there are a thousand varieties of enchanting, alluring, and beguiling scents in the world. Did you know that, Devin? The rich scent of chocolate, the perfume of a lover, the musky, intoxicating aroma of toasting spices. But nothing, nothing even comes close to vanilla. So I know Stan really likes the the lab, the lava nil stuff that uh, that Barrister Man makes. And this is kind of a, this is an oomph. This is an oomph version of, I think, the lava nil. And so, you know, lavender, geranium, plum, cinnamon, clove, patchouli. I do like, you know what's funny is uh, patchouli is a strong scent when you think about it, but I do love it. I love it a lot in fragrances. Anyway, the, this man, I'm not even going to read all these words. Cause there's like 30 of them. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of words, but, um, I am, 
I'm, I'm amped to get a sample of this. If you want to get a sample or a bottle, you can go to Barrister and Man, M-A-N-N, along with kind of the usual stuff, uh, the, the shaving soaps, the body soaps, the shaving balms, things like that. And you can use our code, the Dive Down M23, M like uh, magic, and that gets you 15% off your first order there. And you can check out all of the various awesome products over at Barrister and Man. I was using it the just this morning and I was like, man, I really don't want this, even the shaving sample soap to go away. And so you too. Got to get more of it. Yes. I mean, that's the thing is it's well, some of the stuff seasonal. That's a problem, Devin. So like you can't sleep too long. It's kind of like a, kind of like buying the one ring. Like I should have bought it when it was $30 and now it's like 50. So I'm annoyed. Anyway, uh, Bear Stern Man, the Dive Down M23. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Devin, we're back. We're in the Dive Down, where we get to talk a little bit more loose about just how Lord of the Rings matters in modern. Get loose, my friend, because this is some wild stuff. This is wild. Um... You know, you were playing modern today for a change because I think you're just kind of like I gotta pay attention to what's going on here. There's a there's some there's some stuff moving and shaking. I mean, the One Ring has to be the biggest talk of the town, right? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I have still not been able to play with it. I got uh, I don't I don't know if you know Curd 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 Brothers, who is a frequent user of my chat, mod in my chat. They actually are gonna hook me up with some tomorrow, so I'm actually gonna get to finally cast it for the first time. Hopefully, hopefully I draw it uh, tomorrow on stream, and uh, it's uh, you know. It, but I've been able to watch it on camera, and every single time I've seen it cast, it's been cast against me online. Uh, I don't know. It just it feels like whenever you know, it, there's a lot of comparisons with like four mana value cards, like Chase the Mind Sculptor. Uh, you know, in eras of modern past, you know, if you want to go way back, Huntmaster the Fell, stuff like that. But it just feels like all of that card advantage combined because uh, the first, you know, you cast it, immediately draw a card, then the next turn you untap and you draw two. So you're almost, you're guaranteed three cards for four mana and one turn of reprieve where you're not dying. And the fact that like, it's, uh, it's just, it's so much. It's a lot. I mean, you all talked about this, right? It's like, this, these are like our initial thoughts when it was previewed. It's like, you know, you get a lot of cards here and it looks like it doesn't, you know, kill you that fast. And in our, our more recent conversation, when we had you and Spike on the other week, you know, Spike saying like, I think that the one ring might be broken. And I don't know He's if it's, right. I don't know if it's broken, <laughs> uh, but you all were pretty spot on, right? Which is just like, we're, we're seeing the one ring doing work in green Tron, Eldrazi Tron, these like sort of multicolor elemental Omnath soup decks, like Amulet Titan, we're seeing it like you know we mentioned in like random Yogmoth things. I'm seeing tweets about like Kelvin Chu just ran three like in this Gorio's Vengeance shell and won like yep, a local one K. He was like, Yeah, this looks like it just goes in any deck and seems broken every time it gets resolved. Uh Chris uh Giglio top 16, top 16, the Saturday challenge, which we didn't talk about with Ponza. Uh, they ran three, one ring since that's all they could get. But they, he said they were like, I wanted a fourth and it was great. You know, like I said, you know, randomly just showing up in Yawgmoth and other kind of shells. Why is this card so good? Like it's, you know, isn't it just a four mana artifact that doesn't impact the board? Well, kind of. <laughs> so the way that I look at it, it's like, I think at the base level, it's four mana, 
time walk, draw three cards, right? Okay. Because you get the protection okay. for a turn, you get the guarantee card on the on the first uh, the first activation, and then two more on the second. So let's talk about protection for a minute. What gets through the protection? You mentioned kind of like the opponent loses life thing. What else are the kind of things people might be forgetting about when it comes to like, yeah, I'm, you know, not things like bone crusher giant, but like what else, what, what does protection mean exactly? Protection from everything. So you can't be targeted. You have protection from, oh yeah. So you can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't be targeted, can't be dealt damage. Uh, but you know, th- that is a good point that you bring up. It doesn't protect your planeswalkers, right? So or your board. Right, exactly. So we see a lot of these, a lot of these one ring shells, like the ones that are the, the Tron decks, for example, they're playing Karn the Great Creator and a common play pattern is Karn the Great Creator, down tick, get ring, play ring. But you know, you're, you're, you're guaranteeing yourself protection for a turn, but they can just kill your Karn, right? So you need, you need additional payoffs there. So but yeah, we talked about like Cauldron Familiar, Zulaport Cutthroat, that both loss of life that get around that they don't target, stuff like that. Uh, and you maybe and maybe we might even see, which there's not a lot of breach decks, as you know, we went through all these meta breakdowns, there wasn't a lot of breach, but maybe breach decks with Thassa's Oracle might make a comeback because Thassa's Oracle is another way, like cards that say you win the game I, are ways to dodge protection from everything. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's a lot going on for this card, right? Like just sort of works in the execution of the decks that are playing it. You know, I think one thing that people might be forgetting a little bit about is like you said, is like Pioneer might be faster than Modern right now. Like modern's pretty interactive. Like there's a lot of decks that are just sort of like trading resources. They're casting unholy heats on Ragavans. They're you know casting fire and I you know f- casting fire on uh, Dragon Reach Channeler. Y- you can play the one ring kind of on turn four, turn three if you're lucky, you know, with some mana ramp, and you can be happy about it, right? Because like you said, you get the protection. You can what like you if you think about it, you're drawing six cards for three life over three turns. It's pretty good. And if you're running four of these things, you have a pretty good odds of drawing another one pretty quickly. Then you just replace it with another copy. You can choose to like never use it again if you don't want, or you can, you know, get another card or another three card, another six cards and three cards. You get that other, another turn of protection uh, from the second one coming down. You know, that's, that's really powerful. That's just like a really bonkers kind of play pattern. We're like, look, I'm going to draw a bunch of cards. I'm going to only pay three life and then, you know, just replace it. And, and I don't even have to like tap it again. If I don't want to, I can just get, you know, get another little time walk and call it a day. Would you pay three life to draw six card chain? <laughs> any I think day, I would. Any day of the week. <laughs> One thing I want to mention a lot, like, so you mentioned, you kind of brought up the, uh, like the, the free spell element, and that's kind of what makes modern a lot more interactive, the access to solitude, fury, uh, force of vigor, all that kind of stuff. Right. And the decks, at least the two of the decks that kind of the biggest examples of this are the four color decks and the Yogmoth deck that we saw won the Sunday challenge. And these decks are incredibly good at buying time, right? So you have the four color deck that has solitude fury, um, that allow you to just like clear the board for free while you're d- developing your your man on your board and stuff. Teferi Time Reveler also resets the ring, so if you're in a position where you're you've gone a little bit too deep on it, you can reset it, stuff like that. And then the Yakmoth deck is very good at just putting a bunch of blockers in the battlefield, just being able to stabilize. Like it has a lot of sticky threats uh, that come back, like Geist and the Young Wolf. So those two decks, I think, are pretty good examples of just 
decks that are like trying to buy time and take and that's kind of what they're using this card advantage for right they're they're setting up the board getting a lot of card advantage off of the ring and that is going to allow them to you know progress into the later game and take advantage of all those cards they're getting yeah exactly like you know we're not yet seeing it in burn by any means because what's burn going to do with it if it draws it kind of early but like you said like modern is in a place and there's quite a number of decks that are looking to stabilize and then turn corners you know that could be things like even murktide where it's like hey i'm going to interact with you on account of your spells i'm going to cast a big murktide regent and then win from there adding the one ring and i have seen some murktide decks you know slot this in i saw some lists go you know going with it kind of leaning into the is it control aspect why not you're a mid-range deck. If you're if you're anything slower than aggro, then you're probably in a spot where you could potentially experiment with the one ring and see what happens. Wait, so you're so Shane? So you're saying this is maybe the time for Jund to come back, like actual Jund? I don't mean Murktide. I mean black, red, green, like Thoughtseize Tarmogoyf. And maybe if you're playing like a card that can exile the one ring, right? Like if, if you're if you're playing like the you know that new what is the the red artifact exiling spell or something like that like oh into the fire or something yeah into the fire yeah cast cast those one rings into the fire this is what the kind of stuff this is the kind of tech i would not be surprised to start seeing uh popping up a little bit uh maybe not necessarily into the fire but it's certainly a possibility i mean i can't say if i think actual jund is prime for a comeback but i think that we might be seeing the time for slower decks with some early interaction to really take advantage of a card as powerful as the One Ring. I mean, that's what we're seeing things like Green Tron. We're seeing an uptick in Omnath decks. And why not? Like, it's just because, like, if you have the advantage of either casting it fast with a deck like Tron, or you have the ability, like you were saying, you know, interact, control, and then take over with an absurd card advantage engine that you can either reset with your Teferi 3, or you can just draw another copy of, like in your, you know, for your Omnath style decks, something like that. Or, you know, ramp it out like Amulet Titan, buy yourself a turn or two, and just turn the corner there. There's a lot going on here. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, Dom Harvey of, you know, Dominaria's Judgment and just general fame um, was saying, like, this is incredibly messed up. I'm putting it in his increasingly deranged decks. Uh, Like you said, Bam's... Amulet. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Even Amulet's playing. Like, what the heck? Dom Dom likes Amulet. Dom likes winning card games. I imagine he will uh, be looking back at Amulet again. Um, Bamsing of Modern Magic... Uh, Reddit fames compared it to an indestructible Jason mind sculpture that provides protection from everything when you cast it. That's a thing. I mean, this is that this makes is a lot a, of sense. It's a big card. Like, you know, it took me all day to get a playset. Like I was uh, saying in the 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 breakdown section, but I finally was able to test it in Green Tron, and unfortunately, I didn't. I wasn't able to really cast it too often sometimes when i cast it and did anything with it my opponents kind of just immediately conceded they knew i was just too far ahead with uh with the mana i had at hand with tron and the cards i was going to get the most i saw it do work against you know against me was my opponents uh, ragavan stole it because i had no interaction Mm. early on they cast it uh, yeah three uh i think they had three lands and a treasure I'm sure when they saw the, the one ring, they were like, ah, oh, I don't mind if I do. I'm going to cast that. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you very much. Thank do. you. Very- and so maybe that's the downside to putting one ring in your deck is that your opponent's <laughs> ragavans are that much better. But um, yeah, and they drew three cards off it. 
And then I just exiled it with my Ulamog uh, and took over from there. Like they didn't really have, isn't Merktide didn't have a lot of answers game one for an Ulamog into a cityscape leveler. Is that one of those new cards people are playing these days? The eight mana one. And yeah, I mean, I think it was clearly strong. And it's clearly something like, you know, I just kept hoping I was going to draw it, right? Like I'm like, I'm 20 cards deep into my deck. I'm cycling my chromatic effects and I haven't drawn one yet, or I don't have access to a card in the great creator yet. I'm like, come on deck. Let's, let's have some math here, please. Come on. You know, it'd be pretty funny. I just thought of something. Hmm. If you're, so you're a Ragavan, you steal the one ring, you cast it, and then your opponent plays a Teferi and bounces the one ring back to their hand. <laughs> Uh, mm. the um, that's just that's just good clean magic. <laughs> the no, I so I think that the One Ring is a new modern staple. Like, are we are we comfortable saying this? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, we're what three or four days in, and it's you know, I it just it's in. 17 different decks it feels like it's just the fact that it's a colorless card you know i I feel like if if they had just made i don't know what color you would have made it because it is an artifact but if they had just made it you know like i don't know cost the color of mana or something then there wouldn't be this many decks playing i mean you would still potentially splash it i guess modern mana bases are are pretty easy to splash but yeah i don't know it's just the fact that it like it it, it's so powerful because it replaces itself and like I said it gets you that it guarantees you that one extra turn that you need to untap with because normally card advantage spells are where like you spend a bunch of mana you draw a bunch of cards but then where how are you getting the yes, time to yes, recoup exactly. those cards well, right I'm drawing and, cards what am I doing with them yeah and the one ring just has that built-in insulation so it guarantees you that turn and that's what makes it so powerful yeah it's kind of a wild confluence of you know, abilities, right? Like it sort of reads like a very top down design card. And it is for sure, right? It's just like, hey, this is very flavorful. This is like, this makes total sense. But in the same vein, it makes total sense to play in a lot of modern decks. And like, where do you think the turning point is in terms of like, you know, decks that people are playing where you wouldn't run it? Like, you know, it's not in Teamer Rhinos yet. Um, it's yeah. not, it's not, yeah, yet, right? It's like, you know, it's not in Modern Burn yet and yet. probably might not ever be like what what style of deck are you comfortable saying like i don't think i'd ever want it in this deck because it just doesn't make sense uh i'm gonna be honest with you sheen i don't really think that that deck exists i think i think i'm willing to put Boros it convoke uh okay fine yeah all right fine fine Boros convoke maybe but that's like a rogue that's a rogue one yeah like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and go to to mtg goldfish right now i just want to look at like just Top down yeah. the the top decks of the format. Let's let's take a quick look here. So, uh, Merkted Regent, we've already seen it in there. I guess creativity doesn't count because you legally can't play it because you you put creativity into it. You probably don't want to do that. Uh, Hammer time. So I've that's seen, a, that's a hugely popular deck. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, I've seen people post about actually putting it in Hammer Time on Twitter. No, uh, crashing footfalls. I myself and and. You know, just spoiling tomorrow's stream. I might, I might try a footfall show with with it. Oh, I will be watching. Um, I guess Living End probably would never want to play it, but you could even maybe nah. talk me into it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not Living End. Uh, the four or five color decks. Yes, obviously. Yeah. You know what's actually surprising to me now that I think about it? Scam. I wonder. This seems like a really good card in Scam, and I wonder why they does it have room? It. Does it have room? It's like it's like this is a pretty tight deck list right now, right? Like, there's not a lot 
of room here, but I think you could you could say that about a lot of decks until you shove four of the One Rings in them, I suppose. I think the biggest issue maybe with Scam is that because you have Grief and Fury, you need a really high density of colored cards, and that's maybe why they can't play it. Yeah, and it runs, you know, it runs no ramp. It runs pretty lean on lands, typically like 19 or 20. Uh, I, you know, it, it really doesn't want to cast a spell that costs over three mana for like Season Pyromancer, Blood Moon, Fable, things like that. So it's like, I don't know, maybe it's just not the place for it. Maybe it's just like, it's already doing its primary game plan enough. And it doesn't need the card draw. Like, so that's kind of like what I'm, that's a trend I'm kind of seeing. Cause like you said, like, you know, Crashing Footfalls didn't immediately flock to it. Hammer Time didn't immediately flock to it because it might not just be part of like the core game plan of what it's trying to do but like some decks it makes total sense like you know whether it's mono green tron or amulet titan or four color you know five color omnath stuff or you know potentially even murktide which is just like hey um all i need is maybe one more turn or i've got a bunch of mana or i've got the ability to ramp it out early or I just need card draw because like my my deck runs on on fumes sometimes and just one or two more cards is all I really need. So yeah, man, like like you're getting that. I think there's a there's a lot there's a lot of places you can just put this this card in. Yeah, there's actually one that we haven't talked about. I, we didn't go over the challenge. I, I think it was the Saturday morning challenge that was won by Corey Bowmeister. And Corey was playing, uh, or it might have been the Friday night challenge. Can't remember which one. But Corey was playing Jeskai Breach with three copies of the ring in his main deck. Oh, and man. that's another good shell for it because you can like mill it over with Emery. You can actually Emery. Not only can you Emery it back, but if you legend rule one to reset the first one, you can have a loop where you just have Emery plus two rings. And that's just an infinite loop, basically, where you can never oh die to your gosh. own ring but you always get protection every single turn so yeah that's a, a really sick shell for it too so that's a bonk 101 is Corey. yes now i know yep okay yeah so like you said yeah three three of the one rings in there and yeah uh i'm sure it did quite well because the cory went six and zero oh in the in the main in the main event so yeah not not quite as impressive perhaps as like you know the 9-0 run but i'll take a 6-0 run any day that's fine with me yep yeah, that's wild, man. That's wild. So I want to talk about this take. And you know, I am not saying I agree with this. Okay. And and Tan- Tandy Good. Tandy pays, <laughs> you know, gets paid by exposure and takes. He's predicting it's gonna be the first restricted card in modern um on Twitter. Is this a reasonable solution to you? No. No, just, why is it just, not reasonable? Just no. I mean, we can, we can get into a bunch of discussions on, on restricted lists and stuff. Restricted list, for what it's worth, I do not think is are good for at least modern formats. I understand in, in formats like Vintage, where you have cards like Black Lotus and Mox, Moxes, these cards are obviously way too powerful. You don't want to let people play with four Black Lotus. I get that. But that is really the only format that is acceptable for stuff like restrictions. But restrictions in a general sense especially in modern formats like imagine for example imagine if ragavan was restricted right and you sit down across your opponent and they go steam vents ragavan pass you're just like what the heck is going on here they only have one copy it's just it it's just creates this feels bad situation yeah and exactly. also karn the great creator being able to search the one ring i don't even think this, it would really do anything yeah no. that was where my mind immediately went of course as a tron player is just like that would just make the Tron players, you know, or the the people who could play Karn the Good Creator, 
then you just have it in your wish board and then it's just to you know find the best card in the great creator deck potentially yep yeah no. or just kind of it, t- it takes the whole idea of restriction out of the picture and so you're right that might just be kind of like you know dead before it's like even uh floated and I, I doubt it would ever be floated but like it seems like you know it's it's a wild prediction I, i'm not also a big fan of the concept of a restricted list in modern because it's just like it just increases the variability yeah. of the game it's it's more just variance. increases yeah and, and we don't really need more variance in this card game and like you said you don't want to increase the the feels bad uh from other players where it's like oh my opponent had the one ring and this snowballed on me and right. things like that but yeah, I mean, I think it speaks to kind of the initial trepidation in the community where it's just like, wow, we like we n- might have not thought about how good it is just to play four of these in your 75. And like, you know, they replace themselves pretty easily and just kind of keep the chain running. Yeah, I wonder, you know, obviously we have the the future, or I don't know if it's called the future future league anymore, but whatever the play design is where they, you know, they, I'm sure that they played a, a good amount of the set moving forward or, you know, prior to its release, but yeah, um, we're gonna have to see how this plays out the next couple of weeks, Shane. But this is uh, this is quite the interesting start. This is the whole new world of modern. It and is a, a couple more cards. I think we should talk about as part of this uh, whole new world. Blighted halfling. Um, I think this is. There's not a lot to say about this unless you have more than I do. I think it's just kind of what we anticipated, right? Where it's like it's in the Omnath controls to shells. It's in Yogmoth because it can like it can be used there. Um, Delighted Halfling also powers out some early one rings because it you know, can cast a legendary spells really easily. I mean, it could cast anything a turn early, like like if it's a colorless artifact, of course. But you know, I mean, I don't know if there's anything bonkers here besides the fact that like yeah, like it's it's going to be great to potentially cast out an, an early Teferi three or something like that. The best part about this card is the stat line. Honestly, that's like that's the most anticipated. Uh, that's why it was hyped so much is because of the fact that it it survives red and six, and specifically in the Yogmoth deck, you have a lot of mana dorks that don't survive it. Um, it is a little awkward specifically in Yogmoth. I actually ran into a spot where um, I was playing. You know, I played a couple leagues with Yogmoth off stream today, and there was situations where I would have turn one halfling and then I would have turn two, you know, like other mana dork plus Strangerwork Geist and hey, you want, yeah, you want that, that doesn't work. You want that Strangerwork Geist. Right, you can't, you can't cast Geist off of it. So it's a little awkward sometimes, but you know, the, I think those are few and far between and uh, yeah, also very, very powerful, like you said, in the four color deck, being able to fix your mana for like Ren and Six and Teferi, which mana bases aren't the, you know, it's not that easy to assemble where it's like you want to curve Ren and Six and Teferi and halfling kind of makes all that, uh, all that pretty easy. You get an early Omnath, get an early One Ring, whatever you need. And uh, Orcish Bowmasters. So you kind of were hinting at this earlier that you didn't really know exactly how you felt about this. Like, I have not seen this card in action. I kind of just sort of understand what you might want to do with it in the abstract. I mean, besides the One Ring making Orcish Bowmasters pretty clearly better in the meta... You know, what are people really doing with this card, do you think, besides trying to pick off Ragavan, who's already a little bit down in the meta right now, I'd say? Yeah, it's mostly just like against the X1. So you have the Yogmoth deck that has the Ignoble Hierarchs, uh, Bird's Paradise, stuff like that, against Ragavan. Um, Dragon's Rage Channeler sometimes against Merktide if they don't get it Delirious pretty early. But, 
yeah, there's really not a ton else that in terms of X ones, but yeah, I think like you said, the, the best application for this card might be against the, uh, the the one rings. Maybe that's why we see a lot of the scam players uh, in some of the challenges that they had the full four copies. I think Dingo did as well, and uh, that might be kind of a, a, just a, a cold reaction to the fact that everybody's <laughs> playing the one ring. And maybe we now we have to find like what's the best deck that can play Bowmasters and the one ring because then you're even better in yeah. the one ring mirrors. Man, I mean, the interesting thing is like Orcish Spellmasters is not necessarily like just great in the blind, right? Like there's not a lot of natural targets for it. It's not great if your opponent is not drawing extra cards. It's sort of pretty medium in in like the vacuum of modern. But if, you know, the vacuum of modern just starts to include more one rings thrown in the vacuum, I guess, I don't know. Uh, like then... You know, like we're getting at is I think it becomes a better card, but it's still like it seems a little loose in the main. I'm just I'm just I don't know where it's going. Yeah, I'm I guess like you said, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm not hundred percent sold on it. Like outside of the one ring, it really doesn't seem like there's a ton of applications. I mean, you see the Yogmoth X will frequently want to play one copy to be able to tutor for, but past that, they're they're not really playing a ton of copies. And really the only deck that plays four is the scam deck, which um, you know, again, might just be a concession to the scam mirror because Ragavan is very good in the scam mirror. Um, or like we said, it might just be a concession to, you know, every single person in the world, it seems like, who apparently the, everybody else has four copies of the ring i don't know where the heck they got them from but they uh they they, they got the rings and, and we don't shin yeah yeah i think that those kind of like the big three are there any cards i'm missing i guess there's forge anew for um hammer which is you know showing up a little bit it's not kind of i think as impactful across a number of decks like these other three cards anything else that you're noticing people play from uh from Lord of the Rings? Um, some fringe stuff. We talked about Reprieve in the creativity decks. We talked about the flowering of the white, or the fl- flowering of the something tree in the uh, Boros Convoke deck. But past that, I mean, like a Mount Doom here or there as a one of in Scam sometimes, but not that's not even a guarantee. Uh, we, you know, Stern Scolding, that was one that we, that you get, we had all talked about during previous season, but haven't seen a lot of that show up. But uh, past that, I don't think there's much else. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's enough with just, I think, these three cards. And tell me a little bit about some of your experimentation. You were playing Modern of all things today after watching Modern this weekend. So what were you up to? I played a sweet one today, Shane. So this particular deck list, let me go ahead and pull it up here. This is labeled as Boros Hammer. So this was actually from that Players Convention 2023 tournament that we had talked about earlier, the Japan tournament that had about 500, roughly 500 players. And this came in, I believe it was 14th place. So just outside of the top eight with the next two record. And this has a lot of your typical hammer fare. So we got four Esper Sentinel, four Stoneforge, uh, the Colossus Hammers, the Sigarda's Aids. You're used to that stuff. Um, we're playing the new card, which is Forge New, full four copies, which is more than the other hammer decks have been playing before but the reason that we're playing four copies of forge new is because we're having a we're doing a little bit of a red splash for four copies of goblin engineer so the joke here is that you can goblin engineer on turn two you can bin a big artifact equipment whether that's cauldron complete or argentum armor which i don't even know if our listeners have ever seen this card before but it's from scars mirrored and it's a six mana equipment uh equipped creature gets plus six plus six whenever equipped creature attacks destroy target permanent so 
the joke is that you bin one of those on turn two. One. Yeah, you bin one of those on turn two with engineer. Then you play the forge new on turn three. You have the engineer in play to be able to equip. You get back the Argentum armor, equip for zero with the forge new. And I will say, Shane, I got to do that exact line the very <laughs> first game of the very first yes. match that I played, and it was oh, it was just as good as you think it is. Um, Red Splash gives you a little bit of a little bit of access to Season Pyromancer. We're playing a Phyrexian Dragon Engine as kind of just a, a value target off Goblin Engineer. Now, I'm not going to say this is you know necessarily a, a better way to play Hammer. I arguably would I would probably say it's not, but it's a lot more fun and it creates good content. That's really what we're here for, is a good content. Now, I think this deck looks pretty sweet. I mean, it's just like you know, it's it, it's never it never hurts to kind of like have a good core that you then sort of like try to do something novel with based on new cards, like whether it's Forge new or kind of going old school with like Goblin Engineer. So, you know, I think one thing that I think we haven't really talked about because we focused so much on uh, Pioneer the last few weeks and maybe months even really is like, you know, Surge of Salvation, definitely a very strong inclusion in these decks. I, I keep seeing like three to four copies across 75s, no matter, no matter what the list is. So, Yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah, Surge, and, Surge of Salvation is cracked in this deck. It's just one mana counter spell. Yeah. It's, it's like the fact that it, I'll take it. The fact that it's 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 hexproof from everything, not just black or red. It's just like oh, cards so good. <laughs> and what else? You played uh, you played a couple decks this week, right? So the other deck list or that today, I have, right? the other deck list that I have here uh, in the notes, that's not one that I played today. The other two decks that I, I played, three decks, uh, the Abzia or the food deck from Bill Sib that we saw from the Showcase Challenge, I played that with that Academy Manufacturer, uh, ended up going 3-2. And then the Abzian Yagwath deck from Chris Smith, played that on stream, uh, went 0-2 drop, 0-2 drop. Again, would not recommend <laughs> trying to stream and playing Yagmoth at the same time. It's, it's really no. difficult. Um, Did it make you appreciate Demonic Tutors? Yeah, I don't. And, and their skill. I don't know how how Ed does any of that stuff. Um, but one deck that I didn't get to on stream today that hopefully we'll get to tomorrow because we're gonna hopefully have one rings tomorrow. And this is uh, a is it deck from the challenge on I believe this was the Saturday. Yeah, Saturday challenge. So this is an is it deck. It's very for those of you who have been following Aspiring Spike, you might you might have recognized this deck list. Uh, it's actually not an is it deck. There's it's Modern Red with an Inkwell Leviathan on the sideboard. So forget that it's Modern Red, but it's uh, it's a trash for treasure deck. So trash for treasure is kind of uh, it's a reanimate spell for artifacts. So it's a three mana sorcery, additional cost to cast a spell, second artifacts, and you can return any artifact from your graveyard to the battlefield. So the joke there is that you can again Goblin Engineer. That's kind of a common theme here you kind of use that to bin one of your big artifacts whether it's Graz unstoppable juggernaut who is actually unstoppable and sundering titan or portal the phyrexia so you have a lot of cool stuff there you're a ragavan deck you have scrap work to discard season pyromancer all that stuff that that spike was working on before that's the same stuff however this is an artifact deck shane you know what artifact is pretty good the one ring and also the one ring is pretty cool because you can use goblin engineer to kind of not you, you don't get to reset it because you can't return the ring with engineer but you can sacrifice the ring if if it's getting too many counters or stuff like that Oh yeah, and you can do you can trash for treasure. You can sacrifice your one ring if required, something like that. Trash for treasure is one of those cards that, like, I think most modern players like don't even know is legal. Yeah, you know what I mean, where it's just <laughs> like, uh, oh, what is this? This looks like one of those legacy cards, one of those combo cards, and it is a combo card for sure. But you know, it's one of those cards that, like, every once in a while, is going to peek its head above water, and we see it here. 
That's but, pretty sweet. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm pretty excited to play the ring tomorrow. Like I said, you know, we, uh, we I've spent a lot of time on Pioneer, mostly because that was, you know, a lot of my focus with the regional championship qualifier season. Um, and I, I still am playing Pioneer in the uh, in the RCQs, but this set's too fun for me to pass up, Shane. I, I got I to gotta play with the one ring before uh, before anything happens to it. Again, <laughs> right. we'll talk about that at a different time, but I, I, the card's so much, the card looks like so much fun. Yeah, there's something there. I think I think there might be something there. We'll find out. <laughs> but Devin, great to chat with you this week. Uh, I guess what I didn't really say, like Dave, Dave is on island time. He's uh he's on a little vacation. Uh, Stanislav's doing his thing over in Manchester. Uh, so is it is Manchester on the sea? I don't know. Is there a sea in the UK? I don't know anything about this. I don't know I don't anything know, about that. that. That's a foreign land. I you know I don't exactly. know anything about it. I, I, pff, man, Europe? I don't go there. But Devin, before we get out of here, where can people watch you play these new decks in uh, Modern and eventually Pioneer again? Live uh, every weekday, twitch.tv slash doomwake. That's D-0-0-M-W-A-K-E. And you can also follow me on Twitter and YouTube as well. Uh, I'm going to be posting a lot more Modern content to YouTube. So if that's something you're interested in, go, uh, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube. Sweet. Yeah, I, uh, I have a really busy week at work this week, but I We'll uh, definitely have you streaming in the background because what? I mean, I can always listen to some streaming, see what's <laughs> going on. But that wraps up this week's show. If you haven't yet, you know, subscribe to the pod. You get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. And if you use Apple Podcasts, you know, think about leaving us a rating or a review. If you want to submit a question or reach out to us, you can tweet us at the dive down or email the dive down at gmail.com. If you want to support us more directly, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down. You can also visit our store at thedivedown.com slash store. Mana Traders, thanks for sponsoring the Dive Down. You can use our sign-up code, thedivedown2023, for 10% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. This is a time you want to be renting. I'll tell you what, friends. Uh, you can also get the amazing shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, all that good stuff at Barrister and Man using... The Dive Down M23 for 15% off your first order there. You can save money on paper cards over at Nerd Rage Gaming with the code DIVE8 for 8% off your order. As always, thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and be bound by the one ring!